Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app right now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. All right, what is up, everybody? How you doing? Casual Friday Talk Buffalo podcast. I am Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter at Moran Tweets. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Like I said, Casual Friday. I'm going to jump right into it. Got a lot of stuff that I want to get to today. Did not have a show last week. No Casual Friday. I was very much under the weather. Getting better. Not 100%, but I feel much better than I did uh, certainly last week. Anyway, my man Joe Yernan's with me. What's up, dude? How you doing? Are you feeling better than I am, at least? Uh, yes, yes, to say the least. When you when you sent me that message last week, I was just like, oh shoot, that's not good. It's going like, around because we both had like we both had a thing, yeah, around the same time, and your thing was way worse than mine, like way worse than mine. I'll tell you. So real quick, I don't want to talk about my goddamn health. We got too many things to get into, <laughs> but I will say this. Again, I mean, every time anyone gets sick, it's automatically assumed COVID. I did not have COVID. I did get a test too. But so I will say this real quick. Last week, it was last Tuesday night. I was at my father-in-law's house, my parents' house. I call my parents their in-laws, but to me, they're my parents. Anyway, I was there and I was really starting to feel shitty. I could feel it coming on, Mm -hmm. but it was all in my head. Like I didn't have any like chest congestion, anything like that. I was just really, I was having headaches and I was lightheaded. And I remember I was sitting on his porch because it was a pretty decent night out. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about something. I don't remember what we were talking about, but I remember like mid-conversation, I'm like, I got to get the hell out of here. I got to go home yeah. because I was getting dizzy, man. And and that shit scares me, man. I So I got in the car and I drove back home and I was like legitimately, I usually don't get you know nervous when I get sick, mm-hmm. but I was actually nervous, man. I was getting really dizzy and very lightheaded. And I, I mean, I am a little bit paranoid. I I was only 19 years old. My dad was like 41 years old. He had a brain aneurysm. So anytime since I've been like in my 20s and shit, if I get any kind of headaches or anything with my head, I get really paranoid. But yeah, that was kind of some scary shit, man. I was lightheaded, dizzy. It was really weird symptoms compared to to like when I usually feel shitty, you know? Yeah, I had like a... And here they come, the West Side Sirens. Right off the bat. We're not even even waiting this week. Welcome back, boys. Here we go. (laughs) Um, But like I had some kind of... It was like like the longest tease of a head cold and then it finally kicked in and i was just like i was so pissed because like a head cold you're immediately thinking like because you're you know you're hacking crap up and you're just immediately like it's your lungs you're coughing you're doing all sorts of shit and then i'm just like okay all right like you know ran out got like the self covid tests and whatever because i was like i don't know you don't know what happens and they were both negative so i was like okay and then like it kicked in even more and i was like do i have to go get like a like a hardcore <laughs> covid test or what and then like it settled in and I was like, oh, I know what this is. Like it's been two years, but I know what this, this is bullshit is what it is. <laughs> Good I, I was like, I, it wasn't even a thing where I was like, oh no, I'm sick. It was like, I'm so pissed that I'm like, I've got a cold. I'm like, I got a cold. It's been two years. Come on. Right. Quick little pro tip, by the way, if you go to the Mac center and you tell them, you know, your, your congestion and stuff like that, oh, you can get a rapid test right there, right no. then in there. So 
I didn't have to make any appointment to go to one of these handful of locations. I ended up going to the Mac Center. And like I said, it's not really publicized, but if you're mm-hmm. listening, there you go. There's a pro tip for Talk <laughs> Buffalo Podcast. You can actually get a uh, you can get a, a rapid test done right there. And like I said, I, I do feel better. I had Joe from Queens on earlier in the week, and I was like mm-hmm. struggling halfway through the podcast. So we'll see what happens today. Like I look, man. I'm excited. I'm actually well. I'm always excited to talk to you, but I'm excited because the Sabers <laughs> are playing well. For that though, you did pull the trigger. Now I mean, I've known about this for a while. We've and mm-hmm. people, you know, you've hit it here and there, but. Joe does have his own sub stack now. It's called Noted Hockey. So for people who might not know about it right now, tell a little bit or tell people a little bit about what exactly you're doing. It's called Noted Hockey. Mm-hmm. It's all yours. It's a sub stack. So t- tell fans listening a little bit about it, man. I've been looking forward to this for quite a while now. Well, it's it's kind of like I get an idea and I want to write it and I just kind of let it go. It's 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 kind of like a rewind back to my blog days, uh, except I've tone down the snark a little bit you know it's still there but like i'm not coming out you know with a flamethrower trying to set stuff on fire and get noticed like i i don't have to worry about getting noticed now but you know pat on the back for me (laughs) (laughs) but i mean uh but i wanted to do something wanted to stay involved because like you know the media industry is disgusting right now so um so i wanted to stay involved and i wanted to do some stuff now I will be doing a lot of hockey on there, obviously, but there's going to be a lot of tying in outside events to hockey, like hockey related, hockey adjacent sorts of things. So um, like one of my first posts that I had there was, you know, after they had played uh, Montreal uh, opening, after the Sabres played Montreal opening night, uh, you know, I'm watching Jonathan Druin play and he had a whole he, you know, he had a big story break right before the season started about how, you know, he was dealing with some serious anxiety problems at the end of last season. And, you know, he decided to open up and speak about that. And, you know, I I think we can all kind of identify with anxiety, but, you know, personally though, I was able to kind of speak on that and and talk about what, you know, what goes into it and saying like, he's a pro athlete discussing this and like that kind of form. That's really serious. Now I'm working on a post right now, which is going to be up by the time this by the time this pod goes up. So please visit notedhockey.substack.com, and uh, I'm re- re- writing something on Rasmus Dahlin right now because I noticed something going on in a couple of the games, and I was like, let me look into this. And I think I might have found something, and it might be nothing. But I mean, we're three games into the season. A lot of the stuff that's happening now might not be anything anyway. So, uh, and, and everything changes in hockey really fast. So, uh, so there's going to be a lot of stuff like that, kind of not necessarily like shooting from, from the upper deck with, with kind of stuff, because I, I'm not, I am not a beat reporter anymore. Like I, I am not, I'm not going to practice every day. I am not, you know, I'm not hopping on the zooms all the time. Like there's that if they even have zooms, like they're not even really doing zooms. It's all, it's all the stuff in the media room, but like, I'm, I'm not a media guy right now, but I am, I am watching every game still. Um, and can still discern stuff from, from my couch, but I've got, you know, again, not to kind of brag on some of the blog folks, but like I've got a little bit more insight. I've got a little bit more knowledge about the game and, and you how got a ton work. more. Don't, let's not be too I'm modest. Listen, there, I'm just well, listen. I, I can be modest. It's fine. But like, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's something I've been wanting to do for a little bit now. Like I, I mean, there's there's an initial post on there that's dated September 15th. That's the day I founded it. But I didn't write anything until October, until the middle of October. So. Um, cause I wanted to, I had to sit on it a little while and finally got the bug up my ass to, to be like, all right, screw it. We're doing this. Let's go. I, 
am I'm excited about it. And I've told you this, not on the air, but in our own personal talks for quite a while now. I really think that slowly but surely, this is a way that the media industry is going, man. And uh, mm-hmm. we've both used and, and discussed Tyler Dunn on the football side as yeah. a perfect example, man. Tyler is a a very talented writer. I think one of the best storytellers in just not not just football, just all in the country when it comes to sports writing, man. He's a, a, a great storyteller, mm-hmm. a great talent. And he was at Bleacher Report. And shit didn't work out, man, for whatever reason. And, and, and you know, and that's not my business to, to talk about whatever happened or, what, you know. Mm-hmm. But Tyler said at some point, you know, I, I, I'm tired of doing this. I'm going to gonna bet on myself a little bit. And that's exactly kind of what you're doing as well. And he started to go along with Tyler Dunn. And it's become really successful. Kind of uh, built it or is building it because it's still he's still building it. Now it's a process just mm-hmm. like it will be with you. And you're building it brick by brick. And people like in Tyler's case, and you'll get there at some point as well. People pay, uh, you know, a, a small fee to subscribe and you're telling them stories and they're going directly to you and there's zoom calls and there's things for subscribers, you know, that, that make it well worth it. But my point being is this, instead of these guys bouncing around going from, from bleacher report to ESPN, to, to the athletic, to this place, to that place, to SB nation, you know, so on and mm-hmm. so forth. They're saying, you know, I've built up a nice, reasonable following and I'm going to just go directly this route where I could keep it a little bit cheaper. And, uh, you know, so the overhead is obviously lower and yeah. you're getting to do create creatively whatever content that you want to do. You know what I mean? I think that's really important. I think, and, and again, I kind of feel like you're getting on the ground level with this. And I think over the next maybe handful, if not months, certainly in the next handful of years, I think you're going to see more and more popular people in sports media going this route, if they're unhappy with whatever organization they're doing, they yeah. want to do their own thing. They want to be in their own boss and, and appeal to their own fans. And that's kind of what you're doing right now. So I'm yeah. really excited about it. I truly am, man. Yeah. It's uh it's something I, I noticed today, like even on the baseball side, I saw Joe Posnanski. He's, he's going, he's going the Substack route. He was another guy who was at the athletic as well. And I, I don't know what, what led him to leave. Maybe he just decided to go. Um, maybe he, maybe he was laid off like yours truly was. I don't know. I don't know what the deal was, but now he's got a sub stack and like, he's one of the best baseball storytellers out there now um, out there. I mean, he's, he was, he was at NBC the same time I was there, which we've never run across each other ever, but we've right. seen have gone like down the same path, except he's way more popular and way more, way more famous than I, I am. I can't say than I'll ever be because I don't know what the future holds. I have sure. no idea, but like, we'll, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of things that I've, a lot of ideas I've got for it that I want to plug into this. I kind of want to not copy what Tyler's doing, but like at least sure. with, with the social outreach side right. of it, I, I can't write the way he does. I don't, you know, I don't have the similar kinds of connections and, and whatnot. So I don't even want to try to copy that. It'd be stupid to even try, but right. uh, when it comes to like reaching out to the fans, I've always been a people guy. I've always been a fan guy and I've always been super appreciative of anybody who's followed me all these years or even anybody who's started following me yesterday like if you want to follow me god love you you're awesome like that's <laughs> that's that's the best thing because you actually give a shit of what i'm writing to, <laughs> to follow it so you know i always am super thankful to the point of annoyance with, with that stuff i like substack because to me it feels almost i mean it's the internet it's the computer age so it's not old school i don't want to say that it has mm. an old school feel to it though in a way it's basically 
it's a newsletter. But instead of typing something out on a sheet of paper, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And miss now mailing it out to people. People can read it directly on the computer. It, do it doesn't have like Substack doesn't have like all the fancy graphics and shit like that. That's kind of what I'm getting. And that's what yeah. I'm saying when it has that. That old school feel. It's just like not a, in loaded your, with ads. It's not, you know, right. you're not going to be exactly. you're not gonna pop up windows everywhere. It's just or pop up graphics, not even windows anymore. It's pop up graphics. You know, you'd be scrolling a story. Then you're just like something just bla blasting your face. Like, hey, get that. Like, please right. stay out of my stay out of my face, please. Can you knock <laughs> that off? Well, for anyone out there listening right now, like I said, if you enjoy listening to Joe, if you enjoy Casual Friday, what we do on the podcast, go subscribe to that shit like like yesterday. All right. Joe said it. I'll say it again. It's notedhockey.substack.com or you go to Joe's Twitter. It's right in his profile, the link as well, at Joe mm -hmm. Yurden. All right, one, one quick question. Then we'll move on to the Sabres. I mean, I, I, I know why, but for people who might be listening <laughs> who might not know any story, they're like, Noted Hockey, what's up with that title? Like, Why did you <laughs> land on Noted Hockey as the title for your, for your Substack newsletter? Well, I figured... Going back, what, 2011, I started getting hit with the noted jerk moniker on Twitter, the hashtag noted jerk, which is hilarious for, you know, for anybody who knows me, it's hilarious because like, what do you mean? Well, you're, you're not a jerk. What about it? It's like, oh, listen, sometimes sometimes you end up wearing the black hat on online. And that was the case for me for a little bit when I was at NBC and doing a lot of, you know, a lot of stories were coming out about the coyotes and like, you know, are they going to move? Are they not? Like what's happening with it? And it ended up. You know, the nights that I was on shift for NBC, uh, there was always Coyote stuff coming up. So I ended up being the default guy writing about the Coyote saga. And, um, you know, NBC was always just kind of like, yeah, you know, like take the story and, you know, kind of put your own spin on it. And I was like, OK, I will. And I, like a lot of the stuff I was saying about the Coyotes was this looks really bad. They're probably going to move like the, that's how it looked. It's still looks that way now. But I mean, <laughs> it was <laughs> but it was the thing where. Coyotes fans were getting annoyed that I was writing about this and like using there were certain there were some writers that were doing stories and they're like you can't use that guy he's he's a phony blah 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 and uh, so so one guy one day he goes he goes you, you must be some kind of jerk for 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 saying that and I was like I was like yep that's me total jerk over here like that's that's totally what I am and then uh, some of my pals in Chicago and elsewhere started being like yeah total noted jerk over here and then that caught on enough where. Uh, a Coyotes fan made like this funny like art poster uh, that had myself, Greg Wachinski, and Tony Gallagher from Vancouver on it, and it was called the Noted, Noted Jerks of Media. And Greg saw it, and he got a Greg laughed very heartily about that because yeah, who, who can't laugh about that? Somebody's gonna make a poster. Yeah, yeah, okay, right. it's hilarious. And uh, so Greg immediately goes, he goes, no, 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 no. There's only one Noted Jerk around here. It's it's me. And I was like, ah, okay. Well, I'm gonna run with this. Gonna stick with it. So like anytime, anytime I dunked on somebody, there was like it was like ah, noted jerk. There he is again. Then I started doing a noted jerk rides again hashtag. Like just anytime I was just being an asshole on Twitter. Basically, that was <laughs> that was it. So it's it's become like a, th a thing that's been attached to me. So I said, well, I can't make it notedjerk.substack.com. People are gonna get the wrong idea of <laughs> what that's about. So I figured noted hockey is the best way to go about it because it's a lot more subtle. It makes makes the point. It's like, oh, okay. it's intriguing, yeah. man. Right. And if you don't know this story, if you don't listen to this podcast, or if you haven't heard this story, noted hockey, it just it sounds intriguing. And one last thing too, I should have added because this is important. Sign up right now; it's completely free. All you yeah. gotta do is go to the link, and all you do literally is not like you gotta fill out one of these forms with your name, your address, 
your phone number, your social security number, no, your job history, you know, a brief synopsis of your childhood. I don't want your job history. <laughs> right, none of that shit, man. You just go to the page, you type in your email address, you hit send, and literally that's it. Like I said, right yep. now, especially, it's all free for now. So you mm -hmm. sign up with your email, and when new posts, new content gets published, it goes right to your email box, just like mm -hmm. a newsletter, like I said. Yep. Really cool shit. Um, Speaking of really cool shit, right after this really quick break, we're going to talk Sabres. And I usually I'd be saying that really cool shit when it comes to the Sabres. I'd be saying that with tons of sarcasm. <laughs> be serious, though, man. Shit's fun. It's been a fun first week of hockey. And we're going to talk about some of that right after this break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back with Joe Yernan. So the Buffalo Sabres are 3-0, uh, man. They're 3-0. They beat Montreal, Arizona, Vancouver. They got Boston coming in. This is dropping Friday morning. So Boston's coming into town tonight. We'll see what happens with that. But look, man, I, I just go, I think in my mind as I'm talking to you right now about the weeks, if not months of anytime Sabres conversation came up in, in during this offseason on this podcast, it, it was not, it wasn't pretty, man. It was not a pretty offseason, and it has not been a pretty 10 years. And there's no. a very good chance when we talk again in three, four weeks from now, we'll be right back to that same to that same theme uh, that, that we usually talk about. But let's, I, I did say, half-heartedly, but I did tell you a couple of weeks ago, I said, I really want to be more open-minded coming into the season. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, I really don't give a shit how bad they've been or what they've had going on behind the scenes. This team is 3-0 right now, man, and they're playing very, very good hockey. Let's start here. I mean, how surprised are you at what's going on right now? Uh, small, it's, small sample size or not, Joe? Yeah. No, it's 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 a little surprising from, from the side that you weren't totally sure, like, you know, with a full trading camp and everything, how this team was going to play. Like, you got kind of a tease of it last year, um, and that roster was quite a you know, it was different enough. I can't say it's quite quite a big difference. It's really not. Uh, but it was different enough so that you were just kind of like, okay, well, this is how they're playing. And, you know, they're playing out the string for the rest of the season. Like, you know, you're, you know, Don Granato came in in the middle of an 18-game losing streak. So, like, you know, it, it is a little different. And you weren't sure what, how it was going to work. You know, they had obviously major subtractions, you know, with Reinhardt and Ristolainen gone. Eichel is, is essentially gone. Um, so you weren't, really sure how they're going to play and they've been playing a very entertaining brand of hockey like they are pressure all over the ice they're forcing teams to make decisions which 
not to pat myself on the back, but this was something I said they should play this way more often because if you can stress the other team out and make them make turnovers, cool, man. Like that's, sure. that's a good way to make it work. But, um, but in classic early season fashion, the power plays clicking their, their penalty kill looks good, which is, which is a pleasant thing to see. And they're, you know, Pozo and Gergensen's that line with Cody Eakin. Cody Eakin, they wanted to ride out of town on a rail. I know, like Pat, you can't see it, everybody, but Pat just almost fell out of his chair when I said his name <laughs> because that line's playing really well. And, you know, like people wanted Eakin like shot into the sun. And instead, that line's playing really well. So, I mean, and he got hurt Tuesday or yeah. it was in a collision. I don't know if it's any, like, if there's any, if it's serious or not, but I laughed when you said his name because I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, God damn, man, if there's one player on this team that's, you know, the butt of every joke, a lot of it deserved to, by the way, because he was trash. The worst player on the team by far. Absolutely. Okay. So it's not like, you know, we just pick a guy and, and, and bully him. That's not the case, man. The guy was trash. And it's just funny to say that because. I just thought as you were talking about, it, I'm like, well, he got an collision. I'm like, that kind of sucks. I yeah. can't believe I'm like, that kind of sucks. I would have been like, thank God, a couple of weeks ago. That's yeah. That's oh my God, man. Yeah, it's it's nutty, and like it's it's things like that, and like they've got some injuries, you know, you know, Middlestat, you know, hurt his hand or his wrist or something like that. Yoki Haru is probably going to be out for a while, um, which stinks because you know you don't want guys like that getting hurt, especially because he's you know he started off as Dalian's partner. You don't. You don't want your number one defenseman to lose his number one partner, but you know, the two games after that, Will Butcher has been a pretty good partner for him. So, I mean, nice to have a guy like that come off the bench that you don't really feel that bad about. Like, I mean, he was going to get some games mixed in as it was, but, but now he's your guy and seems to work. Like everything seems to be working right now. Now, not to be captain rain on the parade. The first three teams they've played are awful. Like, sure horrendous like Montreal they're already talking about firing the coach and the GM they're 0 and 4 they, you know I don't know if they're playing you know the night that we're taping this or not but like they could be 0 and 5 after that like they could be 0 and 5 when you're listening to this Friday morning I don't know uh the Coyotes are terrible like that's <laughs> it's a bad team and our old pal Carter Hutton has just been I think his save percentage is in like the high 600s like, I mean, he gave up eight goals his first game against Columbus. He gave up, what, six his next start. And it's just like, oh, my God, the poor guy. I feel horrible for him. People are just like, yeah, I'm good. He's not here anymore. But nobody, nobody, like, leave him alone, everybody, please. Right. The guy had eye problems this one season. Leave him alone. And then, you know, Vancouver, like, you know, Quinn Hughes didn't play. Uh, Brock Besser got back in the lineup. You know, he was, he was probably a little rusty. They looked out of sorts, but the Sabres put it on him. Like say, you know, that was like neck and neck for a little bit. And the Sabres flexed on him in the third period of one. So Sabres are doing their damn job. Like that's all you can say. You can't fight your schedule. That's you, you can't do anything about that, but they got some tests coming up and they got a long West coast road trip coming up. So let's see where they're at afterwards. And if they're still riding high, Let's start having some early season discussions. I'm not going to say season long discussions because we know it can happen. Right. We we know it can happen. Um, we've seen windless months before, so like that's that's not a it's not something that that would be out of the question for this group. But hey, the vibes are good. Jeff Skinner's got "Party in the USA" as his goal song. Awesome. You know, he's, he's smiling all over the ice. It's and I love I love the individual goal song thing. I think that's a freaking great idea. 
I mean, some of these guys have got weird songs, but whatever. Who cares? Like, you're rooting for Skinner to score 90 goals at home <laughs> this season, so you can just get out and dance a little bit. I want I want to reference a, a tweet that you had this week because I thought it was very poignant, and it was regarding Granado, the head coach. He matters, and this mm-hmm. was your tweet, word for word. You said this. You said. Actual coaching and actually practicing what you preach goes a long way. It was, to say the least, lacking with the previous coach. We just spent some time, you spent some time talking about some of these players that Mm -hmm. very early, at least in the season, are certainly overperforming maybe. But, you know, let's talk about Don Granato because his coaching, his style, the, the way the players feel about him, it certainly looks like it's reflective. I mean, I think it was to some extent reflective on last year when he took over in terms, at least in terms of effort and, and, and compete. And that certainly is, and you always w- worry. I remember when Ron Rolston was uh, an interim coach and they had some mm-hmm. success and he became the permanent coach and the team was a disaster. Yeah. I certainly had my worries about that, especially given <laughs> the, the talent on this roster. But mm-hmm. that's not the case. Like last year's compete level and, and playing hard and fast certainly is carried over. So we'll talk about the job that Granado's doing right now. Well, I'll say this. Yeah. And I've, owned up to this to you know people who have mentioned Ralph Kruger on Twitter. I'm very much at fault for beating the drum for Ralph Kruger before he was hired and even through you know most of his first season on the job. I was like, hey, this this guy's gonna be good. Like, you know, because I went back and watched tape of the, you know when he coached the Oilers and I was like, hey, they're fun. They didn't do that great, but like it's the Oilers. You can't really hang anything on them. And, you know, Taylor Hall was awesome for him. He even got Nail Yakupov playing great. Nail Yakupov, you know, number one pick who is no longer in the NHL. Um, and I was, you know, I was very much in the in the Kruger camp. I figured he like this guy's gonna be a pretty good coach. Like, you know, he'd been out of hot you know, he'd been out of the NHL for six, seven years at that point. And I was like, hey, whatever. Like they got to do something different. You know, they've been going to they've been going to the well for for some of these guys. And it's like, do something different. Get a different voice in there. Change some change. Change, change some <laughs> things up. My goodness. Um, change a little thing up and, and see if it see if it works. Well, it didn't work. And that's, you know, hey, it's on me for for tooting the horn for him for a bit. Like, I own that. I own that. You can find those stories at The Athletic and see see where I was talking. I was like, hey, there might be something here with this guy. It turns out, no. There was nothing. <laughs> there was nothing that that did any good for any of the guys that were around and the guys that they wanted to have for the future. Things that you ignore sometimes when you're going to practices and you're going to morning skates and stuff like that. And it dawned on me when I think it was Lance Lasowski mentioned to me uh, at one point. He's like, these guys don't actually practice. Like they don't do drills. They don't do anything. Like he doesn't. He doesn't like coach them through stuff. It was basically like, hey, let's run the lines. Let's do our power play. Let's do our let's do our penalty kill. And call it a day, you know, like there wasn't a lot of hands on instruction. Now, I don't know if that's Kruger saying like, hey, this is a pretty veteran team. We can do, you know, we can do that and let it get away. But like, no, man, like if you got a system, you got to coach them to the system. You got to coach them up in the system and get them used to it and get them playing that way. And a lot of it was just not really taught that much while he was there. And I, I think you could say, I can't really say Phil Housley is the same way because you can tell what kind of system they were playing. That was a little bit more run and gun. But in Ralph's case, like they didn't do a ton of instruction, ton of hands-on stuff. Don Granado is a coach in every sense of the word. Like, you know, he's, he's a guy who developed talent. He's a guy who's, you know, he's been there for, you know, coaching young guys in the past. He's a hands-on, like, here's my system. Let's go through this. Let's do this and crack through it. 
make sure guys are on point, make sure guys are, are doing things correctly. And he's not a, he's not a hard ass. Like he's not, he's not a guy that's going to like scream you up and down and throw sticks and, you know, be Lindy rough about it. But like, he's going to, but like, he's going to make sure you're doing things right. But he's also doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have a system that's repressive. You know, it's, it's a, it's an attacking aggressive high, sort of high paced system. I can't say it's totally high paced because this team's not very fast. Like you don't want to play, you don't want to play fast and loose with these guys because you're going to get burned against some of these teams. But if you pressure them all over the ice, the speed doesn't matter. Speed no longer matters at that point. If you, if you're picking them up in their zone as they're trying to skate out, good luck. <laughs> you know, if you don't make the right pass, you don't make the right decision, you're going to be hemmed in. And that's happened. You know, that's, that's what makes that Eakin Gergensen's Opozo line so good is because they're, those guys are great four checkers. We've seen that with Opozo and Gergensen's the last few years. And they're able to maintain possession. They're able to drive other teams crazy. That's why that's what drives them. Eakin's got some speed, so he can get around. He can cover, he can cover for both of those guys because, let's face it, Zemgis and Kyle aren't the super fast guys. But Kyle's in great shape. Kyle looks, Kyle looks like he did with the Islanders, which is yeah. incredible. He looks, he looks absolutely fantastic. And so like you're getting buy-ins from guys like that. You're getting, you're getting a system that stresses making life uncomfortable for teams. And you're getting guys, guys just happen to be in the right place now. Like you got guys finding pucks in the slot. You got guys finding pucks around the net. You got guys like they're able to cover for each other. Like when you see a defenseman, you know, drop into the offensive zone and attack it, a forward recognizes it immediately and says, let's loop back. Let's cover. There's a guy down here already. Let's not all jump on the net and then leave the one defenseman back to, to deal with a four-on-one. That kind of stuff happened a lot in the past. That's not happening with these guys. They're covering each other's ass, they're, and they're sticking to, the, sticking to what, they're, what they're being practiced. They're sticking to what they're being told. And, like, that's great. The only thing that I've been saying now, I want to see how this team responds when they get hit in the mouth. Like, it's, things are going nice and peachy right now. They're playing great. But I want to see what happens when they run into a wicked team like like Boston. Boston Friday night is going to be tough, and they're going to be pissed. They got their teeth kicked in by the Flyers on uh, on Wednesday night. Um, I want to see what they do against Tampa next week. Like that's 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 a good measuring stick. Even without Kucherov, doesn't matter. Tampa's Tampa's your defending champs. Jersey's playing great. Let's see what they do against Jersey on Saturday. Like there's a lot of things there where I want to see how they how they can take care of business against these kinds of teams because that's going to be a real good early test for them. And you know what? Let's see how these teams can handle it. This It's going to be a different Buffalo team than these, than all three of those teams are used to. Yeah. When it comes to Jack Eichel, who obviously is still with the team and well, like, I mean, he's what, on what, the roster. He's, he's on the, the yeah. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah, you're right. That's, I really don't know. <laughs> he's what not more, hanging out in the box, watching him play. <laughs> I, I don't know what more we could say. We, I mean, he's been linked to every team in the world. I think in this point, now, at this point, he's probably being linked to some NBA and MLB teams too, <laughs> for all we goddamn know. But I, you know, my, my, my best friend, John Worrell, had a, a tweet that I thought was actually pretty interesting. I want to read this tweet to you. I wrote down two tweets for in my notes prep here. One was from you and one actually was from John. And, mm-hmm. and he said this. He said, I've said this to people several times over the summer. It's too bad the Eichel-Sabers relationship grew so toxic because the irony is this is the team in a perfect world that he'd enjoy playing for. I thought that was interesting because this does feel like the kind of style that obviously healthy and motivated Jack Eichel would really seem to to thrive and talk about that for a second. And also, we're also hearing a lot now because the Sabres are three and zero. So very naturally, it was all Jack Eichel's fault for the last six years. Yeah. You know why this team's 
sucked because of his he was he was like um he was a cancer in the locker room yeah. you know the whole toxic toxicity in the locker room all that shit is, is getting thrown out there right now got in on that a little bit and just talk about like in a perfect world man a healthy mm-hmm. jack on this team it would be pretty cool i do wonder how i think john's got a good point that i think he would jack would do pretty well considering how they're playing um the thing with Jack, though, is that his presence on the ice, and he's a dominating offensive presence, is that guys often want to defer to him. You know, like guys will look for him, not necessarily looking to like cycle. They'll just, you know, look for like, hey, where's Jack? Let's find Jack. Let's get it sure. to Jack. Yep. And teams that Jack's been on in the past, I think of, I think of like his, his one world junior team uh, where he was the biggest star by far on that team. That was before Matthews and, and whatnot, like before Matthews was on, on that team. And Jack was like the lone guy. And the entire team deferred to Jack at all times he was on the ice. And that U.S. team didn't do very good. Like they didn't play team hockey. They played, let's give it to Jack and, and have him win it for us. That's kind of how the Sabres have been since Jack was drafted, you know? And I, and I get it. Like he's the best guy in the team. Like I 100% get it. I do wonder how that, how his presence on the ice would fit with this style, where it's very much everybody pressing. Now, I, obviously, with his speed and his ability and his skill, it seems like an absolutely natural fit. But I do wonder if his line mates would then defer too much to him uh, in the offensive zone. I, that's that's my only question, is because that's been a big issue before. And Jack sometimes it would take Jack out of it because Jack would be like, "No, man, you take the shot. I'm passing to you." There's Jack kind of had the Thomas Vanek effect where, you know, Vanek was so great on his lines that he started passing other guys because he's like, listen, somebody else shoot this, you know, like, I'm, you know, they're, they're on me. Please, somebody else shoot. And Jack kind of got to be that way because defenses would center on him, obviously. And sometimes the, the, the quality of shot isn't there and people just say, well, just shoot it. You're better. Like, that's great and all, but like, you still have like a six foot five, you know, 212, you know, 210 pound goalie standing in the net. That's going to see that shot coming if it even gets through. But this style, yeah, it, I, think it, I think it would lend to his abilities. And I would be very curious. This is all like what ifs, ifs, ands, and buts. Um, but it's, I would have been really curious to see how he'd fit in with a, a team playing this style because it's, because it, 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 while it stresses team play, it also, it, it doesn't, there isn't like a guy that is like the dominating offensive presence on any of these lines. Like there isn't a guy that you're just like, they got to get the puck to this guy. None of these lines have that, which to, you know, if you're playing this, this kind of a, this kind of style works great. It's kind of like a no name, no name offense sort of thing. And like that can work. Um, but like if Jack was there, I'd be really curious to see if it would still work. Uh, at least with his line. I do wonder if that would, would play out that way. Play, you know, power play would be kind of the same. You'd have Victor on one side, you'd have Jack on the other one. And, you know, all you have to do to kill the penalty is basically, you know, make sure you got two guys flashing out to the uh, to the flanks to make sure you can stop a shot or get in front of it. Um, which this conversation le- leads naturally into the other question you're asking about the uh, the negative presence in the locker room. And I'm not even one that would go out of my way to to, to say like, hey, he's a positive room influence. I'm not going to say that. I mean, he's 20 years old in a room trying to be the captain and learning how to learning on the fly. And his, his, the guy that he looked up to when he was here that Jack and Sam looked up to was Evander Kane. And we can tell by the current events that 
that was probably not the best guy to have as an influence in the room. And even Ristolainen, those guys loved Evander. And, you know, Evander, to his credit slash detriment, took those guys under his wing and showed them how to have a good time. And that's probably not the thing you needed to have in that room with those guys being 18, 19, 20 years old. Probably not the thing you needed. And like, they're all still pals with him now. Like that's, that's the thing. And I'm not going to pin all these issues on Evander. That's on, that's on Tim Murray for, for putting, you know, putting that team together and doing it that way. So this, so any sort of like negative attitudes and whatever spins out from there. And it, 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 it started there and it like, it carries through like that's, What's done is done, but like if if they if you get the impression that these guys didn't care or like they you know they they you know they hated their teammates, that's not true. It's not true at all. And losing is the biggest factor of all this. Like every room is going to be an awful room to be in when you're the worst team in the league. Like let's, it doesn't matter. You could you could have like the greatest leader in history in that room, and if you're putting up 65 points as a team, that guy's going to be looked at as, at as as a joke. Like. I made the comparison on Twitter. Like Mark Messier was a great leader in Edmonton, great leader in New York, won him Stanley Cups. Goes to Vancouver and he's hated. He's absolutely hated in Vancouver. Why? They stunk. They were a bad team. Right. But there was a, there's such a confluence of influences that have happened with those guys over time. And not a lot of them were good. And, you know, that's part of that is Murray trying to push the, uh, trying to push things and, and end the drought quicker than than anything being like all right we got our guys here let's speed it up let's get ryan o'reilly let's get evander kane let's get robin leonard we're gonna you know we're gonna get to the playoffs as soon as we can yeah and it wasn't right you know robin wasn't in you know we we know what happened with robin like robin was in a bad place and it was made worse you know by by being you know by having injury issues here and and being on a bad team and you know evander i mean geez we we could talk for hours about how uh, evander's effect there but like ryan o'reilly Riley had to take the lumps for, you know, he, he stood in front of the cameras every day, you know, every time he's like, ah, geez, I gotta be better. Ah, geez, I, ah, I gotta do better. Like that's me doing my very worst O'Reilly impression, but like every day he was just, I gotta do better. You know, if I'm not better, you know, then, then, you know, we're going to lose. And it was like, I've always said about O'Reilly that he was a guy that he could, they could win a game 10 to one. He could have nine goals. And if he's on ice for that goal against, he's going to be so annoyed and so pissed about that. Regardless of the win, he'll just be like, you know, I can't let that happen. Can't do that. So when you're losing a ton of games, yeah, he's going to, that's going to affect him. Yeah, that's going to be bad. And he took, he, he was the scapegoat for it because he, he said losing stinks. It makes me not like playing the game. Well, yeah, no shit. Like, I lose a bunch of game. I lose a bunch of video games. I don't want to play that game anymore. Like that's, <laughs> you know, forget it. I keep dying on like Super Mario Brothers. Get lost. I don't want to play this anymore. This sucks. Like, but it's different when you're paid millions of dollars and you're you're on a team. Like, you can't you can't admit to things like that because then people are just gonna be like, yeah, this guy's a quitter. Like, have you watched him play? The guy's not a quitter. Like, he's never been a quitter. Like, that's it's crazy to think that he would be, and. He ended up getting ran out by GM owner. Take your pick. Like GM has to trade him because the owner doesn't want to pay him anymore. Like, I don't know. So, I mean, it's, it's bad decisions, compound bad decisions and make bad decisions worse. And that's what it, that's what it all boils down to. 
And I don't, it's probably the hot take alarm coming for me now, but, <laughs> um, but like, that's, that's the whole thing here. Like every bad decision that they've made is just snowballed instantly. Or if it hasn't happened instantly, it happened three, two, three years, years down the road. And you're looking around going like, how did this get like this? I don't understand. And well, you, you missed what happened before where you get these kinds of, you know, things happening and it's just like, I, you, you get lost on it. And, you know, I, I'm torn pointing the finger at a Vander like that and doing so in a public platform. Believe me, like I hate being that guy because I felt that when he got, you know, he got his stuff thrown in the shower in Winnipeg. I felt like he was getting a raw deal. Like they were just picking out a kid who just happened to have a big personality and, you know, did a lot of dumb stuff, you know, doing the, uh, the Floyd, Floyd Mayweather money phone during the lockout. Like that's probably not a great idea, man. Like just don't do that. <laughs> and when he came here, I was like, man, he's got a chance to really set the record straight and prove a lot of people wrong. Like he can, he can take this and run with it. Like Buffalo is the best place for him to do it. You know, like if, and he did do a lot of things off the ice that were positive with, with the community. Like he was a big guy for the boys and girls club of Buffalo. Like he loved every Christmas. He would like take those kids out and do, you know, take them shopping, do the whole thing, like splurge on them and do that stuff. But everything else he did was so dumb and out of hand, like completely reckless out of hand and not needed. And it's, you know, the having that kind of guy around your room when you've got young guys that you want to be your leaders and stars of the future, big whiff. It's a big whiff on Murray's part for, for thinking that that would work out. And whether that means he ignored all the stuff that he was, you know, the, the stuff he might have heard about him in Winnipeg or in Atlanta, I don't know. We'll never know unless Murray decides to, like, come out and start start spilling his guts, which might happen any day. You never know. Sure. But, um, but, uh, but that, but he, but Evander was the wrong guy at the wrong time. And he didn't take advantage of the opportunity he had to, to really straighten things out because the lifestyle, the lifestyle gets you sometimes it happens like other guys it happens to, it just isn't recognized. It isn't seen as publicly as him. Right. Well, Sorry, that's a, that was a really long winded answer. For well, that's what, but like, look, man, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. So, <laughs> some clarification and some explanation on your thoughts of what you think about toxic toxicity. And God, that's such a hard word for me to say for whatever reason. But anyway, so we've talked, look, we've talked about the coach talked about the hot start, small sample size or not a hot start. Um, Ocposo, Gerguson is playing well. Should also mm-hmm. add Kyler Miller's already got like four assists this year. Mm-hmm. Greg Anderson, who I, I, I laughed at the thought of him being the Sabres starting goalie. <laughs> hey man, Two games in, and, and and he's played well, all right? That said, not surprising, but disappointing nonetheless, I think anyway. In fact, it is. It's not really an opinion. It's a fact. Attendance, all right? So three home games, because the Sabres have three home games to start the year, plus tonight they're hosting Boston, as people listen to this. eight. All right, so here's the numbers. 8,467, 7,872, and 7,376. Those are the home numbers for the first three games. Again, a baby sample size, just three Mm -hmm. games in. This team's got a long, infamous history over the last at least like decade or so. But are you surprised and disappointed at all when you you hear see these numbers? 
No. Regardless of whether they're good or whether they suck, that's not a lot of fans, man. That's like Buffalo Bandits numbers. In fact, I might be doing a Bandits disservice. Fine, the, numbers. I was going to say, I was probably, I'm doing a disservice to the Bandits by, by saying that those are their numbers, but those are some really shitty numbers. COVID, economy, vaccination statuses or not, you haven't had 8,500 yet to a home game. That That's not good, right? No. It, and there is no blame to be laid at the, at the, at the feet of the fans for any of this. Like there's, they're blameless in this. Look at all the shit they've put up with for the last 10 years, 11 years. Like at some point you just say, all right, enough. You know, like you, you just think like I've got, you know, I mean, the economy is whatever it is like, and that's an issue too. But like people have no problem spending on the bills and granted it's, you know, it's eight games a year. Fine. Like that's that's a whole other thing, and the bills are a whole other thing too. But I mean, like when it comes to like your your spending money, your your entertainment money, is it entertaining to go down and watch the Sabers, you know, play terrible hockey and lose all the time? Like if you're spending for season tickets, hell no. Like it's not worth it to go down and pay that much money for the seat for the seat, then pay for parking, pay for food and drink, you know, and doing all that stuff. Like you're tacking on an extra, you know, probably hundred bucks. On top of all, on top of your ticket, and that's per game. So I do not blame the fans one bit at all. Like you, it's a prove it, prove it until you earn it kind of situation for the fans. I don't blame it one bit. I was like, there is zero, there is zero reason to to go out and just drop all your money on a team that just didn't seem to, you know, or an organization that I can't say the team. It's the organization that can't get their shit together. So like, nah. It's fine. They close, it's are they close? Are they close to getting in your mind? Are they close to getting like, all right, maybe not sell out numbers again. Cause we do have to put some of this on the economy and we got, or at least a little bit. Don't blame the fans. I agree with you hundred percent, but if you want to use the, all right, maybe we don't have to do anything, but if you want to use the economy as an excuse, if you want to use COVID, whether it's concerns, people still have concerns out there or whether it's because you have to be vaccinated and you know what anti-vaxxers, I mean, we had a conversation about some parents are not willing to let their kid go to fucking college if, if it requires vaccination. But putting that mm-hmm. aside, do you think that we're close to getting more respectable like numbers, like 11, 12, 13,000, the games, Canada opening up, does that matter to you or how much does it matter? I know it matters at least a little bit anyway, but mm-hmm. do you think we're close to getting respectable numbers or do you think what we're seeing right now until they really prove something to fans that this is going to be the norm for a while. What do you think? Uh, I think once the border opens up, that's going to help out quite a bit. Um, Cause there are, you know, there's tons of fans in Southern Ontario that like to just come to a game, you know, they get, they have seasons, they have season tickets or whatever. So be curious to see how many of those season ticket ticket holders, a kept them and B are willing to just come back and just go to games. Um, are they close to sell out? I don't know. Is John Buchagross going to buy everybody a beer for, for every game <laughs> that he goes to here that, uh, that, that, that sells oh, yeah. out? <laughs> like, I mean, that seems to be the selling point for the game tonight because he said, you know, Hey, listen, if we sell, if you sell out the building, I'll buy everybody who, you know, of drinking age, a beer. Like, okay. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's, I mean, I don't know if that's Bucci just hedging his bet saying like, no way they're going to sell this out. They've got, right. they got 7,000 a game. Sure. You're going to really pull in 12,000 people by saying you're going to buy him a beer. I don't, I don't think so. And I looked at, I looked at the stub up prices last night, Wednesday night. 
cheapest ticket was 44 bucks. It's not the $6 tickets that, yeah, that's you know, not cheap. That's not cheap, man. So I don't know. Like, I, is it fun to watch them? Is it fun to watch the team now? Yeah, hell yeah, it is. Are they going to be good this season? No, I don't know. Probably not. Like, we'll see. I don't know. Just shrug your shoulders and say, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> and then, probably, I mean, probably leaning very hard to probably not, but like, at least they'll be entertaining. Um, have they earned the, the the fans back to get a sellout? Hell no. Absolutely not. They've not even remotely close if they if they earn that. If they get a sellout this season, they'll be they'll have done something really right, and they're doing something probably completely unexpected. I'm talking like 0506 level of success unexpected, where hmm. you know that team was that team was you know everybody picked to finish last that year. This team everybody's picked to finish last in the NHL. So we'll see. Like we'll see, but I don't know. I they haven't earned getting a sellout like that's they're not close to that yet but i'll be curious to see what the attendances are once the border opens up what november 1st 2nd yeah november 2nd yeah yeah so like we'll we'll see what it looks like then maybe you know crack 10,000 first maybe i don't know well, <laughs> instead, instead uh, saying you're gonna get 19,000 right away like i don't know crack 10 crack 9,000 well they've let, let's say this they, they've come a long way for me anyway from even just say a couple of weeks ago i remember having a discussion with you I took my my daughter out for a uh, a date night. This was during his preseason, the Sabres mm-hmm. preseason, and I remember talking about how she sent me a link where there were Sabre tickets for like ten bucks or some shit like that for a preseason game. I don't remember who they were playing, and I was like, hell no, man! I'm not spending a penny to watch this team play. And we ended up going to see a uh, free guy with Ryan Reynolds at the movies. Good movie, and that was a lot of fun. But I'll mm-hmm. drop I'll drop ten bucks out of out of ticket right now. Went and right. done it a couple of weeks ago. Not forty five or whatever you just said for the for yeah. the cheapest tickets, though, man. Hell no, that's before not, fees, right? That's before, before fees, fees too. yeah. Now for people listening, one last note here, and then we'll we'll move on. This would be like again if you're if you're listening to this on Friday and not over the weekend. They're playing Boston. This feels like a good a good night if you're a Sabres fan to make your debut of being live at the game because you got Boston coming to town. Mm-hmm. Um, Omar's playing that tonight too. That's yep. really cool. Returning to play the play his former team. Plus the game it's television wise is on ESPN plus. Many people don't even know what the fuck that is, let alone, you know, <laughs> subscribe to ESPN plus. So it's not on MSG. So given the fact of that, it's a Friday night, a good night to be out. The Sabres are three and all. They're playing a rival. Old Mark ESPN plus. Feels like a good night to go watch this team play at the arena. So I, I just had to look at StubHub again. So we're, this is it's one o'clock on Thursday. We're taping this. The cheapest ticket is now fifty eight dollars, and that's if you buy two. You buy if you bought a, if you bought a single ticket, it'd be fifty nine and change. So, and that's before all the the fees get dumped on it. So, two hundred dollar date, man. Couple tickets, fees, I don't know, man. parking, like, a beer or two, a, a, a slice of pizza, and eh, they're not worth two hundred yet. But they're getting closer to being worth two hundred. Not yet. Let's, let's see if they let's see if they get if they're worth sixty. <laughs> All right, we're, let's see if they're worth sixty first. <laughs> we're, we're we're gonna take one final really quick break. I'll be right back. Gonna just gloss over the bills. I just got one point to make on the bills, and then we're gonna get into this week's starting five, which is Tom Hanks movies, and we'll talk about from two weeks ago. We did favorite Buffalo Bills quarterbacks between Jim Kelly and Josh Allen. We'll recap. That. I'll be right back real quick here. All 
All right, we'll save Buffalo Bills conversation for the most part for next week because there's a bye. So we'll have some time to break like some things down over the first six weeks. Just want to make one point. I'm kind of reiterating this. Now I've had a couple days to, right after the game on Monday night, Joe from Queens and I went on like, I don't know, 15 minutes after the game ended. And I don't like doing that. I like to have measured thoughts because I'm a, I'm by nature, I'm a knee jerk reactor and I overreact so badly to things, you know, they're the best thing in the world ever or the worst thing in the world ever. I like to have time and have measured responses to things. I, I'm going to say this. I, I think the bills, they should have won the game. I like the call. I like the decision to go for it at the end. I actually like the play call. I didn't like that. Obviously the execution of it. I have issues with how it was executed from the time they broke the huddle to the snap itself. But I do like that. I think the bills should have won the game, but I don't think the bills deserve to win the game. I've heard a lot of comparisons to the Arizona Cardinals game last year, going into a bye, a heartbreaking loss that felt like, you know, players, the organization fans really had to sit on that for two weeks. And that really fucking sucked. I, I feel the same right now, but the difference last year in Arizona, I felt like the Bills outplayed Arizona and they kind of got the game stolen from them on a really fluky play. Whereas this past Monday night, yeah, the Bills should have won the game. But I And I do think they're a better team than the Tennessee Titans as a whole, but I don't think they were the better team on Monday. I don't think the Bills necessarily, in fact, I don't think they deserve to win that game. They should have won, but they didn't deserve to win. Does that make mm-hmm. sense to you? That's 100%. how I feel right now. No, I yeah. 100% agree with that. Like, should have won the game. Didn't really deserve it. And yeah. You get run good. all over like that. And you know, some people are complaining about the holding calls. Please holding on every goddamn play. Like let's, let's not get, let's not get crazy about stuff, but like, um, yeah, you get run all over. You take a penalty on a kick return that should have put you ahead. You know, it's you know, things like that where it's just like, come on, you know, like you did enough to make it so that it's like, if you lose, you kind of earned it. Like yeah. that's, that's the whole thing. You let Ryan Tannehill like throw all over you. Like, come on. Like, you know, like, what are you doing? Like that. And you know what? The Bills O line played terrible again. Like, it reminded me very much of the Steelers game. Like, Allen was under. I mean, Allen played great. Like, <laughs> put up put up tons of yards, touchdowns, the whole thing. But like, if he had like more time to to sit back and, and just pick apart, like, does he throw for four fifty? Does he throw for five hundred yards in that game? Maybe, might. Right. Titan Titans defense isn't anything to to be proud of there, nope. but they're front and they were and after, back. after secondary was hurt. I look at it this way: this was far and away the defense's worst performance of the year by a mile. Mm-hmm. So the defense was bad. Yes, the offense did score thirty one points, but again, considering Tennessee had so many injury issues in the secondary, the Bills mm-hmm. had to settle for field goals, especially in the first quarter, two chip shot field goals. They scored thirty one points, but they should have been. It should have been more. And on special teams, a humongous, gigantic mistake that at least potentially was a game-costing mistake. Who knows what? Mm-hmm. how the last – there was still enough time for Tennessee to score. Yeah, but still, half, bottom line, minutes, they yeah. had to go ahead. They had to go ahead, touchdown, call back. So mm-hmm. a huge special teams gaff. When you combine special teams, offense, defense, to me this is a team that kind of got the result that it that deserved. They should have won the game, but they deserved to lose the game. Now I'll say this too before we get to the starting five. I ain't worried about it. You know, last year, again, it, it does suck right now. If you're a Bills fan, it really stings that you should have won the game. But look, last year after Arizona, they, they took that loss, which could have been a season. That could that could fuck a season up. You know what I mean? But they mm-hmm. went undefeated. The next time the, the Bills lost after that Arizona game going into the bye, 
was the AFC Championship game against Kansas City. I'm not saying mm -hmm. that's going to happen this year, but I look at the schedule coming up after the bye. The Bills are 4-2, and two, and you look, and they got Miami at home, at Jacksonville, at the New York Jets, and Indy at home coming up after the bye. They're going to be fine. Don't they have the Bengals too? No, I don't think they play the Bengals. Okay. But they got Miami, Jags, Jets, Colts coming up. Those are, look, the Bills should be 8-2 and two a month from now. And they're going to be fine. They're not the Detroit Lions. That's what I'm saying. No one is that bad, okay? <laughs> you had to bring me down like that. Now, now, you can't bring me down. I'm already I'm already 900 feet buried underground with that team. So it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. But nobody's the Lions because only the Lions can be the Lions. That's Anybody who says that they're like the Lions is like, you don't you know. You don't even know. What it's a, a, great it's a whole Bane scene from uh, the Dark Knight Rises, where you know you think you know you think you're part of the darkness. No, I was born in it. I was molded by it. Like, <laughs> get out of my face with the comparisons, please. I wish I wish this was a Detroit podcast because what a hell of a, what a hell of a title, a podcast title that would be. Only the Lions can be the Lions. Yeah. But, quote by Joe Yurden. I love that. All right, starting five here. Let's get before we get into this week again. Tom Hanks. We didn't. We weren't here last week, so we couldn't recap two weeks ago. We did favorite Bills quarterbacks between Jim Kelly and Josh Allen. I won 54 to 46. I actually, to be honest with you, I thought it was going to be, that was closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, much uh, closer. Let, let me recap. I took, and again, I got 54% of the vote. I drafted Doug Flutie, Drew Bledsoe, Kyle Orton, JP Lossman, Alex Van Pelt. You drafted <laughs> with 46%. You had Ryan Fitzpatrick. Terod Taylor, um, Rob Johnson, Kelly Holcomb, and Todd Collins. God, those are some shitty ass quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, both are both of our teams. Yes, but I'll tell you, I I, I thought we were going to get a lot of ridicule and a lot. There was a lot of engagement, man. There were oh, a yeah. lot of people had a lot of opinions. One thing I have to uh, point out factually, I was wrong two weeks ago when you drafted Kelly Holcomb. I talked about him. I I said I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but I was almost sure about him not knowing the playbook. That was wrong. It was not Kelly Holcomb. He knew oh. the playbook just fine. He was just a scrub. It was Billy Joe Holbert who actually oh. confessed to, to not knowing the playbook. Somebody, I don't remember, somebody on Twitter pointed that out, and they're 100% right, and I was wrong. Um, I, I think the difference in this poll was your team, your top two, were you, your team Superior. was extremely top-heavy. <laughs> I think Fitzpatrick and, and Taylor got a lot of love from fans. Mm -hmm. Um. And Rob Johnson, by the way, of all the picks we had, Rob Johnson was definitely the most hot topic one. Like people had a lot of strong takes on him, whether he was a bum or whether he got a raw deal in Buffalo. And you kind of talked about this during the draft. Can you know, we just so say that hmm. it's a good thing we didn't do this poll a few days later with when, Doug Flutie, with Doug Flutie speaking at Herschel Walker's thing? Yeah, where there I was a certain guy that was also going to be speaking there that everybody really does not like. And <laughs> Every the thing it was like I saw our poll got re like got retweeted by somebody going you know because I I started a dumb hashtag like justice for Rob Johnson and like I was waiting for somebody to pick it up after after that whole thing came out and just be like and so instead like I was just like well I don't know I mean I, I, don't, had, know where, I don't know where Rob Johnson's speaking these days but he wasn't there <laughs> I, I had to mute it's funny you say that because yeah the engagement on the poll that I put up on Twitter went on long after the polling ended. I ended mm. up having to mute the conversation because this did turn into a whole Doug Flutie political yeah. uh, conversation or tirade or uh, tirade debate, whatever you want to call it. Right. But it was fun. But anyway, yeah. So I think your your first two for sure and your third was a hot topic. But then 
Kelly Holcomb and, and Ty Collins, listen, they're they're bums, man. All right. It's, Whereas I think my total fucked out ear two bottom ones. Are you kidding me? Yeah, the last minute event belt. Yeah, but they avoided the criticism, I think, that Ty got. Well, Ty Collins, I thought he would have gotten buried a little very more. Very unfortunate. Yeah. Let's just put it this way. That was an interesting category because it was very difficult to come up with men. Mm -hmm. The only yes. poll I can remember we've done, <laughs> usually we do polls where there's so many good, potentially good answers that we could probably have two starting fives each. And then there still might be a couple left over. Mm -hmm. This was, it was a reach to even get the 10 on this category. The only poll that we did that could, I sort of reminded me of that was when we did months of the year. And the reason why was because there's literally only 12 months of the year. And we were drafting <laughs> right. 10 of them. So we were drafting some shitty months at the end. 54 to 46, though. It's, it's again, close, I, man. It was closer than I thought. I expect I expected a good 65-35. But I, I think I even said 85-15 at one point. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I said I that, really, too. I don't know. I really did. I expected a blowout. It wasn't a blowout. It was respectable. It was fun, though. Um. All right. So this week, we're going to go back to categories with dumb shit in it, like where yeah. it's just like, this is ridiculous, but everybody will talk about it. Right. Now, this isn't one of them. This is no. one of the greatest actors ever, Tom Hanks. And we're going to draft Tom Hanks movies this week. Pretty self-explanatory. Um, Yeah. So I'm looking at last week. Actually, you did have the first pick last week. I did. I think you kind of had an upset with the first. Again. I'm surprised you thought it was a surprise. I, I thought you were going to take Doug Flutie. I, I really oh, did. I remember I've coming up. A Flutie guy, I jotted down some notes for these guys because, again, it was really tough to come up with 10 good quarterbacks. So I had to come up with some notes for each. I usually don't do that. Like, I didn't do that this week. I just got movies that I listed, but I don't really have notes next to them. Mm -hmm. But anyway, with Doug Flutie, I was so confident he was going to be the top pick. I didn't even write down any notes for him. I was, that <laughs> I was wrong, though. I was wrong. I don't think that really hurt. Taking Fitz actually probably helped you in hindsight. Yes. But anyways, all right. So you took, so you had the first pick. So that means that I got the first pick. Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks movies were off and running. Look, all right. There's a lot of good Tom Hanks movies. And there's going to be a lot of movies that I think a lot of people like that weren't, neither of us are going to pick because he had a lot more than 10 movies mm -hmm. uh, or has had. He's it's not like he's dead. He's still around. Um. <laughs> You know, I, but, but for me, but for me, all right, man, I'm not going to keep the drama going for me. This is really easy. It's definitely Forrest Gump. I would probably put that. It's it's not only my favorite Tom Hanks movie. It's definitely somewhere in the top five to 10 of like my all time favorite movies, period. It's one of those most, it's one of those rewatchable movies where if I'm, if it's a Saturday afternoon and TNT mm -hmm. or TBS or whatever the hell's got it going on or USA Network. I always sit down, I, I watch it. I, I thought it was brilliant acting. I thought it was a really cute story. Mm -hmm. And this was like, well, I don't want to say it's vintage Tom Hanks because I thought he was a great actor. I love some of his movies, as you'll see soon, before mm -hmm. he got like Oscar buzz good. But anyway, this movie is just everything about it to me was perfect. So not much explanation needed. Forrest Gump's number one for me. I. I think you're going to take heat for that because Forrest Gump has not aged very well at all. Okay. Like yeah, fair. at all. And that was a movie I loved. Absolutely loved when it came out. It was what, 94. It came out. I think it was yeah. somewhere so was, in the early nineties. Yeah. Early so to mid nineties. Absolutely loved it. You know, I was fascinated with everything that they did with it. Watching it with older eyes, older, wiser, I think eyes think wiser. Maybe they're not wiser. I don't know is it's a little it's a lot cringy with a lot with a lot of what goes on in that story where it's just like man this this, this is bad um 
but I can't take away from Hanks's performance. He was he was great in it, but like the story just makes me just go, oh my god. It was ninety four, by the way. I looked yeah. it up as you were talking. Okay, yeah. so that that I'll let you have Forrest, but you might get you might get you might get some heat on that one, which is Possibly. sounds crazy, but but yeah, um, I think these next two for me are pretty slam dunky. Uh, Saving Private Ryan is incredible. Like that's mm-hmm. that's an all time movie, and Hanks was superb in it. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think I have to explain Saving Private Ryan no. at all. Like that was just so damn good. And it's so. One it's point probably, that I got to make though, you're mm-hmm. right, by the way. And that was, that was, not, well, it's number three on my list. So it would have been picked in the second round for me. The one thing I will say, not because of Tom Hanks, not because of the movie, the movie was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. I used to hate watching, not hate. I wouldn't watch war movies. I, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I was afraid to watch them. I, I don't know why. Like I had fear of horror of war movies. Like young kids have fear of like horror movies. I didn't watch it for many years is my point, but Oh my God, I can't believe how I missed out on it. Good pick. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, and I think my next one's going to be Apollo 13. Okay. I, um, I'm a sucker for space movies. Um, the whole story about what happened with that, that crew and everything is just, was it's a full-on holy shit movie (laughs) and everything like the way he portrayed it the way he portrayed it it was just so good and so spot on and like you you felt like you were watching it happen in real time uh with the way it was acted and everything i thought that was just so damn good and he was i think he was what he was jim lovell i think it was i think that's who he was playing in that movie it's been a while since i've watched it but goddamn that was that was a fantastic movie and it's space. Like I love space shit. And Hank's doing space shit is like is fantastic. Space bores me. You're gonna do well oh with that. God. That's a good pick. Oh my god. I don't god. give a shit about space. You're kidding me. me. <laughs> space wow. bores me, man. Holy all right. Hell. So I, I got two here. Um, all right. Well, this was number two on my list, so I'm I'm gonna stick with it. A League of Their Own. It's loosely based on a on a true story, women's mm-hmm. baseball during World War II. Tom Hanks is Jimmy Duggan. He was so funny, man. Yeah. I, I it's probably that that was the best humor I think that he's shown in his career. And don't get me wrong, he did some really good acting towards the end when he actually started to invest in the team and and, and start caring about becoming a manager. Mm-hmm. But that fucking movie was amazing, and and to me, he was the best one in the movie. Great cast as a whole, too. Though. Oh yeah. So I'll go League of Their Own. And then I'm going to go back to I'm going to go back to old school Tom Hanks and I'm going to go with Big. It's yeah. a Penny Marshall film. I think it was back yep. in the late 80s, like 1988. That's when he played that 12-year-old kid who goes to a carnival and next thing you know, he's in a man's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth Perkins. She was, uh, who, was the, who was the chick that Knicky was with in Greece? God, I can't remember her name. Not Sandy. Oh, man. What the hell was her goddamn name? It's driving. It's going to drive me nuts. I'll think of it before this episode ends. But anyway, she was in that movie. John Heard was Paul Davenport. I love that movie, man. I know, again, his critically acclaimed performances would come later, like with Forrest Gump and Apollo 13, Saber Private Ryan. But for me, I fucking love Big. So I'm going to go League of Their Own and Big. I, by the way, I think me and you are having what this is one of those polls right now or drafts, I should say, where. You're taking movies that you love that I necessarily didn't love. And mm-hmm. I think conversely, I'm taking movies that I love where you didn't think like our list. Oh, no, I love probably, League of Their Own. I, uh, I love yeah. Big too. Like yeah. that, I watched Big so much as a kid. Jesus. That was, yeah. No, <laughs> I right, love, you're up like, with two. You're both awesome. Um, 
This one might be controversial because he doesn't actually appear in it. It's Toy, it's Toy Story. Okay. Which but one? It, the first one. Okay. The you got to clarify. I stay OG. Toy Story, the original one, is so damn good. And like, they're all good. None of them are bad. Like, you might like one less than the other ones, but they're all good. Um, but the OG one is, is, is the most fun one for me. And it's, I mean, it's always gets you in the heartstrings every damn time. Like every single movie is just like, get the gut shot because it's, it's nostalgia. It's all that stuff. And you're just like, Oh my God. Uh, but him as Woody. Oh my God. So good. So good. And it's, you know, it's voice acting like, okay, no, that's legit. It's still acting. Like you still have to emote. You still have to do all the stuff. Sure. I agree. You'll never not see the picture of Woody and, and not hear Tom Hanks's voice. It's automatic. Um, and then my other one, my next one, I think it's, it stresses me out watching it um, immensely, but it's Castaway. Okay. Um, that's like basically him acting on his own. He's him, him and Wilson, <laughs> you know, talking with a, with a volleyball for an entire movie. And that whole movie just stresses me out like crazy. Cause it's just like, I, a lot of times with movies where I watch it, I think of like, what would I do in that situation? In that situation, I, I would be screaming. I'd be stuck on an island screaming forever and not knowing what to do and probably die within a day. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that, I mean, again, it's fiction, it's portrayed it's like blah, 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 whatever. But Hank's friggin' ruled in the castaway. Like that's, I don't think that movie's as good with somebody else in that role. Agreed. I agreed. I like that movie. I didn't love that movie. Tell you story one, I think is a great pick. All right. So I, I got my last two here. All right. The first one, I'm going to go back to one of his, oldest movie performances the money pit 1986 mm. that was Shel- listen shelly long of course diane from cheers mm-hmm. i was i when during that time and I, i'm old man so i was what was i like 14 <laughs> 14 something like that i thought shelly long was one of the hottest chicks in the world at that time loved her loved that movie man they buy a and we've all we see the story all the time. Maybe it might not be us personally, but we, everybody knows somebody who buys this house is, you know, buy something that's really expensive and you get it really cheap. And then once mm-hmm. you, you know, you start to dissect it, 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 it shit just starts falling apart. And basically that's what the movie was. We've all been there. It's that cheesy, wonderful eighties comedy mm-hmm. that I absolutely love. And I, you know, I'm very partial to those types of movies. So I'm gonna go to the money pit. And then the last one, it's not, a slam dunk for me. And it's not necessarily one of my favorite. I, I got to include this on the poll though, just because his act, even if I didn't love the movie, that's his acting was just phenomenal. That's Philadelphia. I did nine. It was 93. Yeah. With Denzel Washington. Right. Mm-hmm. Great movie about AIDS, uh, about discrimination. I think that's one of the first movies at the time, if maybe even the first, but certainly one of the first where, where it's a movie about somebody who openly has AIDS and, you know, obviously mm-hmm. the discrimination that comes with it. And your boy won an Oscar. I mean, he won the Oscar yeah. for that movie. So mm-hmm. obviously very critically acclaimed. Also, one of my favorite songs from Bruce Springsteen. Or not one of my favorites. One of my more underrated songs. Uh, Streets of Philadelphia is a great song by Bruce. That's in that movie. So again, it's not necessarily my favorite movie, but I just his performance is undeniable in it. So I got to go with that. And that's going to wrap up my five. And now you're going to get one more here to, to finish this off. Yeah, I uh, there was one that I had full designs on and doing this because just on a lark because I it cracks me up and like it. But it's 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 one of the pick, it, would be, it would be a pick if I picked it that you would get on my ass about because it would be a cult pick. 
And I'll tell you what it is after I make my actual pick, which okay. is going to be Sleepless in Seattle, which okay. is that him and Meg Ryan in that movie is so freaking great. And I mean, there's, you know, there, there's just so much for, for it being like a rom-com type of movie, you know, like that's not my, that's not my jam really, but, it, but that movie, <laughs> that's that it, it's so good. Like yeah, it's, it's a genuinely really good movie. And yeah, that's, um, yeah, like I have to, yeah, just full marks. Like I, I, I can't really get into it, but like, like the, the way those two played that movie was so good. And I, it was. And, and the way you feel about, um, the way you felt about Shelley Long, that's, that was me and Meg Ryan. Holy crap. I love such Meg a, Ryan such too. a crush on her growing up. Mm. Holy Jesus. Like everything yeah. she was in, I was just like, Oh my God, is her? <laughs> I love her. And yeah. So yeah, that's, that hooked me in. It was Hanks and, you know, teenage crushes. So like that mm-hmm. works. What was the other movie you were talking about? The one I was gonna that that I had that I thought like I can I could probably get away with this, but I don't think I can because again it would be too it's too culty. Uh, it was the Burbs because the Burbs is friggin' hilarious. That's in my top ten list. Oh my god, the Burbs kills me because that movie was made with like absolutely no seriousness involved whatsoever. <laughs> whatsoever, like Corey everything Feldman, about that Corey is just so insane. Was in that shit, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like you know, it's like. You know, it's Hanks, you know, Carrie Fisher's in it, I think. Yeah, she is in um, it. Yep. Bruce Stern. But you get Bruce like, uh, you get uh, Artie Lang from uh, what, Laughing, like back in the days? Or no, it's not Artie Lang. It's, uh, oh, shoot. Yeah, I forget. But the guy who played the 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 head, like the the dad at the creep house there, like that dude, like he's, he's a that dude. Because uh, you see him in a movie, you're just like, oh, man, that guy. And then he's like playing a total creepy weirdo. And it's super. Um, I can't remember his name. That that makes him that makes him a perfect that guy. But like the the guy who tries to steal the movie is Rick Dukeman, his you know his neighbor who gets him who gets Hanks involved in all the shit. And then you know he's just he's like I don't know you you gotta check this out. It's a lot of weird stuff. And Hanks is just trying to keep it normal. He can't because Rick Dukeman keeps edging him on and like just like I don't know man. It's a little little messed up. We gotta do this. And <laughs> yeah, it's just oh that movie kills me. But like. I, I think that might be a movie where you and I and maybe like 10 other people have probably seen it right? and like right. have it like stuck in our minds as like how good it is. It's a movie I would tell people like, you got to watch that. Like that's early Hanks being crazy Hanks and crazy Hanks was super good. Like I, in I a movie where he's just like screaming, shouting, just ah, blah, blah, blah. and another one is Dragnet. Mm-hmm. That, him, that- him as Pep Streback in Dragnet being Dan Aykroyd's like partner is hilarious. Like that movie movie. Like, I don't know. Like that movie was so funny to me. It still is. And then you get Christopher Plummer as the weird, like uh, the weird cult leader guy. And it's just like, okay, well, this is, this is fun. This is great. (laughs) Let me, let me recap our picks. And then I got a thought or two and I'll throw a couple out there that I think that some people might mention that we both missed. All right, so to recap, I drafted Forrest Gump, A League of Their Own, Big, The Money Pit, and Philadelphia. Joe Yurding goes with Saving Private Ryan, Apollo 13, Toy Story 1, Castaway, and Sleepless in Seattle. I think, as I look at this closely, I think if I, if I was Vegas, I think I would make you the betting favorite. Not by a lot, but definitely the betting favorite. And I think 
Maybe the biggest reason why I would say that is this. Big and the Money Pit are two movies that are older and like old, like because in more than 30 years old now, 30 mm-hmm. to 35 years old. There will be a younger generation of people because we always take this to Twitter every week. There might be a younger generation of people where those movies don't resonate with them mm-hmm. barely at all, or if at all. Whereas I think your your picks are a little more consistent. So I, I think you'll have an advantage Vegas-wise, but we'll see how yeah. things play out. I'll, I'll say this. Seattle though, might, might miss the mark with a lot of people because I think that one's faded, faded from memory a lot, but it's I'll, really I'll, good. I'll say this. If I lose, I'll have no one to blame but myself because <laughs> I ended up taking five of the top six on my big board Mm-hmm. were were my picks the only one i lost is i would have taken saber private ryan uh in the second round okay. um, a couple that neither of us picked i don't know because people might not forget about it because he wasn't necessarily the st- he's the biggest name but i don't think he was the star of the movie mm-hmm. is the green mile yeah. um that's michael, michael clark, clark duncan that's michael clark duncan's movie exactly. as far as I'm and also sam rockwell too yeah. sam rockwell was sensational in that movie so i don't think that movie was so much about tom hanks so but the Green Mile, in terms of movies that Tom Hanks was in, I think that might get some play. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple more I have written down here that neither of us took. Green Mile is the one movie. we're going to get yelled at about. I, I, I'm convinced of that. Potentially. Now, a personal one that I really actually lamented, I actually almost took it over Philadelphia, is Turner and Hooch. I just didn't want to yeah. have three 80s Tom Hanks movies, but <laughs> I like Tom, Turner and Hooch. Good, you know, cop movie, funny movie. Um, you talked about the Burbs. I also had that thing you do, but again, mm-hmm. is he really this? He that it's was his the director. Band, the band right, is the thing. The movie's about the band. That was Tom Hanks, by the way, his directorial debut. That mm-hmm. movie, and I love Liv Tyler too. She was in that movie about a, about a, a one hit band or one hit wonder band in the sixties. That movie was good. Um, there are a couple others I that neither of us that we might get some splash going back to the eighties. Yeah. Uh, you got mail, another movie mm-hmm. with him and Meg Ryan. Uh, Road to Perdition, any of the mm. Toy Stories, basically that neither of us took. Bachelor right. Party was another oh, one as man. well, man. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's I like that movie. That was a good. That's very, very young Tom Hanks there. But yeah, that, that's a raunchy. That's a kind of a raunchy one too. It is. It is. Um, so, I was trying to think. Uh, there was another one that I was going to mention. And pfft, gone. It's gone out yeah. of my head. Forget it. I'm not even going to try to rescue it. We drafted 10. I just named off six or seven. I mean, when you got 15 to 20 draftable movies in your career, it's a a worthy category. We'll we'll Mm -hmm. see how it plays out. And for everyone, again, like every week we do, you can vote. I'll put this up. This will be up Friday around lunchtime-ish, and it'll be up throughout the weekend. So either go to at Pamaran Tweets or or at Joe Yurden and uh, cast your vote because one of us will get to talk some shit next week. That's always fun. (laughs) <laughs> and on a more serious note, we talked about them getting the podcast. If you haven't done it already, go to notedhockey.substack.com. I'll put a link as well in the show notes. Go subscribe. Just put in your email address. Join the mailing list. You'll get stuff whenever Joe publishes it. Um, you can also go to his Twitter at Joe Yurden. He'll have a link up there as well. Always fun, buddy. Always fun. The Sabres are good right now. The Bills are on a buy. They'll be all right, though. We just, you know, we hit on that. Good Ride stuff. The vibes. Ride Always the vibes. fun, man. Well, well, we'll see. I'll tell you what. The Sabres play like three or four games before we, we record again. Let's see where we're at in a week. This is fun, yeah. though, buddy. Always. Yeah. yeah. Hard to not have fun with this. When the vibes are this good, you just go with it. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome 
to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.